Welcome to the QEH podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the QEH community, asking them questions and spending time understanding them and more about the school. So let's get into this episode of the QEH podcast. In this episode, we're talking to Richard Porter, the head of the sixth form. Richard is going to tell us all about the sixth form at QEH, how they introduced co-education, and how the sixth form will develop going into 2022 and onward. So come with me now as we talk to head of sixth form, Richard Porter. Richard, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the School Podcast. How are you today? Thank you very much. Yes, it's the end of a longer a long and typically busy day here at QEH. What have I been doing today? I, uh, I talked uh, a bit of geography this morning to my lovely year eight classes. We had a, a general studies seminar with year 12 and we were talking about the ongoing situation in in Ukraine and, and specifically what our students could, could do as a community and as individuals to support some of the NGOs and charities working out in that country. This afternoon we were on the enrichment programme and I'm, I'm on the personal development team and I was with a group of year nines and we were talking about online gaming and gaming addiction. So um, a pretty varied diet of, uh, uh, of things on today. Interesting. Gaming addiction. That's something I wasn't expecting you to say. And that was with year nine, I think you said. What was the gist of that discussion that you were having with them? It was recognising the signs of gaming addiction in themselves and, and, and their friends. Of course, we're talking about 13, 14 year olds. Statistically, they're, they're at the age where that is perhaps the most likely addiction that they and their peers will face. So we looked at the the signs, the symptoms, we talk about how the gaming industry is is designed around the concept of, of addiction. We talked about marketing to young people and we also talk about online gaming as well and we talk about grooming and how to just be safe in terms of interactions with other people online. And that's something that I do with all the year nine groups on, on a rotor, and, and they do that on Thursday afternoons as part of their enrichment course. So it's part of the, what we call the personal development section. So they do, they do seminars on healthy relationships, consent, drugs, and they do this on a rotating, rotating program. So they all, they all get uh, to see each session. Gosh, so some pretty heavy subjects going on there, some some yeah. good things to talk about, but some great things to address with children and not to sort of, you know, bury heads in sand. So very yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Richard, I'd love to know a little bit about your own education, what part of the world you grew up in and how you found school yourself when you were young. <laughs> okay, well, I, I was born and brought up in Stockport, suburb of Greater Manchester. My connection with the place these days is, well, my parents and uh, uh, my brother and family are, are, are still up, up there. So I, I like to get up there as much as I can. And uh, I guess my my strongest connection with, with Stockport these days is uh, my, my, my passion for Stockport County Football Club. So uh, I do follow them home and away and manage to coincide visits to the parents, uh, coincidentally with when, when Stockport's are playing at home. So, uh, and they're doing rather well at the moment. They're uh, top of the league. So uh, the, the glory days are coming back to Edgeley Park. So I spent the first 18 years growing up in, in Stockport. And then after that, off to university for three years. I then worked for a couple of years in Leicester. That's where I did my teacher training. Okay. After a, uh, a year of uh, going into, in, into banking after, uh, after university and realising that was not for me, so uh, back to university, did a PGCE, worked in Leicester for a couple of years and then, then worked at a school in London for, for 15 and, and loved my time in London, 
But after one too many crowded tube journeys, I decided it was time to experience somewhere else. And, and so I found myself in Bristol. So banking seems to me to be very different to teaching. What was it about banking that you thought might float your boat in the first place? <laughs> the, the lure of the city dollar, maybe? My background is geography, and it was actually a, a, looking at a property portfolio for one of the, the high street banks. That, that's what I went into, what I think, I think I probably slightly naively thought at the time was what I wanted to do, and it was certainly what some of my... Uh, my, my peers at university were doing. They were sort of going off into the city. This was actually back in Manchester, where I was, uh, where I was based. And, and after a few months of sitting behind a desk, um, making money for the man, I'd, I'd, I realised that I wanted to do something a little bit more enriching and holistic in life. And I'd always thought about teaching, actually. And in, indeed, my mother's a teacher, and so it had always been sort of part of my life. And I very much enjoyed school myself. And, and I realised that uh, teaching was probably what I wanted to do in life. And so glad that I made that decision to to step out of the, the, the career path that I thought I was going to embark on. And was it quite difficult to switch from one to the other? I, I, I mean, inside your head and just some, I guess, coming to terms with the fact that switching from one to another kind of means admitting that you may have not made the right decision in the first place. I don't think so. I mean, I was. I think I realised at a fairly stage that I would, I, this was not really uh, what I wanted to do. I actually didn't like sitting down all day, uh, which I know sounds a little bit simplistic. But you know, as a as a teacher, I rarely sit down in the classroom. I, 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 I my, my classes will know that I like to be at the front and walk around and 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 be on the move around the room, and that's my style of teaching. So I I, I, I try to minimise my my sitting time during the day. So it, it, it wasn't a difficult decision at the time. I mean, no. Okay, so tell us a bit then about your role at QEH right now. So I'm, I'm one of the assistant heads. So there are four assistant heads now in the school. My specific role is I'm the head of the sixth form. So I, I oversee really everything post-16 in, in the school. So academic and pastoral oversight of the sixth form. Also, obviously, we've got a, a, a careers program, uh, a UCAS guidance system. But fundamentally, my role is to ensure that the, the young people we have here in the sixth form are well-educated, safe, happy, learning, and come out with the best results that they can. I'm also on the safeguarding team. So I'm, I'm one of the deputy safeguarding leads. So I work closely with my, my colleagues on that team and we oversee any safeguarding and, and welfare issues across the school. And obviously I focus on the, uh, the sixth form end. Okay, so tell me a bit more then about how the sixth form looks at QEH. Let's just imagine for a moment that, you know, you, you and I have met on the other side of the world. I know nothing at all about the school. I know nothing about <laughs> sixth form. Tell me what it looks like. So we, we have a sixth form of currently of 230. When I arrived six years ago, it was 160 something. And so the sixth form has expanded. The, the biggest change we've gone through in recent years, uh, obviously, is the move to, to co-education. So when I arrived, it was still an all boys sixth form. That was my first experience of, of single sex education. I'd, I'd been to a co-ed school myself and I'd taught in a couple of other co-ed schools before I came to, to QEH. Fairly soon after I was appointed and, and took a post, uh, Stephen Holiday, the then head, um, called me into his office and, and, and said that he he had this plan to make the sixth one go co-educational. Obviously, we had to keep that rather quiet at the time, so only a, a, a small number of staff knew as we started to do feasibility studies and, and, and to start to put plans in, in place. We opened, we went co-educational and we invite our first cohort of girls in 2017 and we had 13 pioneering young women who stepped through the uh, the iconic blue doors of our school 
and since then the the number of girls has has increased and and now there are over 60 in the sixth form of 230 so the vast majority of our boys stay with us from year 11 into the sixth form which is which is great and in actual fact since going co-ed the proportion of boys that stay with us has actually increased slightly because one of the reasons that boys used to have for leaving was that desire for a mixed sixth form environment so we've now got a a co-educational sixth form of 230 about 170 boys 60 girls we have dedicated facilities we've we've got two common rooms we've got a cafe in the sixth form center which is uh, phenomenally well used at break time i think some uh, young young people would struggle to make it through the day without uh, morag and vanessa and her team serving uh, all the delicacies that they serve at uh, break time and then we've also got a couple of other dedicated rooms we've got a, an it suite and what we call a quiet work room where the students can go and it's a it's a quiet sanctuary for them to to work and one of the main common rooms is it's got a big screen at the far end and we use that for communal assemblies etc so that's the sort of layout it's it's part of the main school we're, we're very close to the center of bristol and i think one of the attractions for for, for students coming to our sixth form is its location we're, we're, we're right in the center of the city and so with parental permission we do let our students sign in and sign out at lunchtime so they can go and utilize you know the local shops and cafes and i think they uh, they do quite well out of us as well so on the one hand you say it's part of the main school which is great that it's kind of very much part of school life at qeh is there a danger though that some of the pupils there may feel like they are not part of sixth form that they're sort of part of the 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 same school as the younger children Uh, i guess what i'm getting at is do they have the opportunity to kind of have their own space as well as these common room areas Absolutely. So the the the, the six four the air, area of the school that's dedicated to the sixth form, we don't allow the younger students in. There's a visible difference in our sixth form is that they we have a, a dress code rather than a, a uniform, and it, and it's a co-educational environment. Mm. So whilst they're using the same classrooms and and, and teachers as as the younger students, it, it very much feels like a a separate part of the school whilst being very much part of the uh, the, the, the QEH umbrella. And, and they use the same you know, dining facilities and, and, and so on. So the sixth form, they move around mm. with the younger students. And, and, and I wouldn't want them to be isolated and, and, and in a separate buildings, but, but mm. they do have their own space within that. And I think that's, that's important. I mean, one of the aspects of the sixth form is, is that it's very much a, a transition period between perhaps the more structured, formulaic education they have up to the age 16 and, and, and going off to university or an apprenticeship or into the wider world it's a Mm. it's a transition period where they mature as young people we give them more freedoms they also have more responsibilities so i think it's right that they do have an area of the school that is is just for them okay and obviously going co-ed is is a sizable change within the you know the fabric of school life what were some of the considerations that the senior leadership team needed to make at the time of going co-ed yeah, the, the feasibility study was was quite wide ranging, and we actually worked closely with a school in the Midlands, which had gone through the process about five years previously. Okay. They were a very similar school to QEH. They were a, a city centre school, well established, long history to it, quite a traditional academic environment, similar size, and their sixth form had gone uh, co-ed about five years previously. And in actual fact, when we worked with them, they would just work, they themselves were working on inviting the first cohort of girls into year seven as well. And the only real difference between them and us was that they had more more land, more, more space uh, on their site, and so they were able to, to add to the footprint of the school. So 
there was an awful lot of work done and we we utilized their support quite closely so i mean on the one hand you've got the the fabric of the building to consider and and facilities we thought about the curriculum i think we possibly maybe overthought that a little bit because the the the, the pattern of a levels that the the girls do compared to the boys there's no significant difference so pretty much the girls are choosing the same sort of options that the the boys are choosing Obviously, there were some specific considerations as regards to to games and, and mm-hmm. our provision there. Mm-hmm. We thought about our dress code, obviously, for the girls. There were a number of, of, of senior staff involved, and we, we, we worked hard over a, a number of months to, to, get, to get it right. We knew this had to work. It had to be a success. And then once we advertised and announced that we were going co-educational and then invited uh, applications. We knew it would be a small number in the first year because it's such a brave thing for a young person to do. It's especially brave if you're a young woman and you're one of the first girls coming into uh, an institution which had just educated boys for over 400 years. So a really brave thing for them to do. I'm absolutely delighted with how that first year (laughs) went. I will confess they didn't win many sports fixtures in that first year because they they were the sports team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we said to them, look, you know, come and enjoy it, embrace it, and and and, and they did. And 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 that first year was was great. And then uh, the second year, as I say, we we then had a you know a, a, a long list of, of applicants to to come into the sixth form. So it worked. And I think the best advert for our, our co-educational sixth form currently is is the young women that we're educating. Did you have any pushback at all from any people, don't mention specifics, but I'm thinking groups of people within the school community, possibly alumni, I'm guessing, I'm thinking predominantly. One one or two emails saying, you know, we were sort of throwing away X years of history and, 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 you know, QEH's USB is that it's it's all boys. No, uh, the the vast, vast majority of the feedback that we had uh, from parents was was overwhelmingly positive. In fact, uh, a number of those girls in the first cohort and... A fairly significant proportion of the girls we have now have siblings at the school or, or, okay. or cousins or close friends who've been through mm. the school. So a lot of them have some connection uh, to the schools they arrive. So, no, the, interestingly, the only group, I would say, who gave us negative feedback was actually the, the, the year group at the time who were just about to leave. When we announced, which was, I think it was an Easter time when we, we announced, the, the year 13s at the time, and I, I, I was talking to them about it, and, and I think they felt that as they were leaving QEH, it was going to change quite, fun, quite fundamentally, and they wouldn't be part of it, but their memories of the school would not reflect what the school was becoming. Interesting. Mm. So I think that's why there was a little bit of resistance from that, that cohort. Mm. I mean, it wasn't en masse, it was just yeah, of course. A, a, a few of them, and it was... It was it was comments that, that were made at the time. And it wasn't overly negative. I think, if anything, for some of them, it was just perhaps a slight sense of disappointment that they weren't going to be part of this and that they were perhaps missing out on this on this exciting change. But I think for some of them, they just felt that as they were leaving the school, mm. then something was changing about, about it. Mm. But I pointed out that, you know, when I when I left my school when I was there, they would just finish off building a swimming pool that I never got to, <laughs> never got yeah. to use. So, you know, things change and move on and it happens at some point. And, you know, they were just at that point in their school history. So they, 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 they were fine. But no, overwhelmingly, the feedback from from parents, from from the current student body, 
it was overwhelmingly positive and, mm. and, and the staff were very excited. I, I remember now when uh, uh, the then head announced to the staff and there was this sort of palpable fizz of excitement about this, this change that was happening in the school. Awesome. Awesome. That's very good to hear. Now, you mentioned as well that the number of boys in the sixth form has increased. I think you said from 160 to 170, partially as a result of the sixth form going co-ed. But what other differences have you noticed in the sixth form since the girls were able to join? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the number of boys we have, I mean, that does fluctuate slightly year on year because the year groups, as they come through the school, they're slightly different sizes. But yes, yeah, certainly we've noticed that a higher proportion of our, our boys stay with us. I mean, it was always pretty high anyway, but we, we see fewer of them uh, leaving us after year 11, which is great. In terms of the the sixth form, I mean, I, I hope and I feel that it's a more inclusive and welcoming and, and friendly space. Certainly it is bigger in terms of its footprint of the school. So as we went co-ed, we, we expanded the size of the sixth form in the school. I took over a couple of history classrooms and we knocked down a couple of walls. And so we created more more social space. One of the concerns that, that I had was that in, in those social areas, would, would the girls socialise just with other girls? Perhaps people they knew had come from their, their previous school. I, I, I was a bit concerned about integration, but... I, I, I'm honestly delighted with how, how that is. And if I walk through the Sixth Form Centre today or on any other days, I see girls talking to girls, boys talking to boys, boys talking to girls. And, and it seems a pretty fluid social setup up there. And, and I think we have a pretty good induction programme. And, and the, the new students who join us, they seem to settle in very, very quickly. I mean, for all the students, they move into the Sixth Form. It's a, it's a change. They're coming into a different part of the school. The, the dress code changes, the structure of the day, the curriculum, their relationship with their teachers, everything changes. So it's it's to have lots of new students around, it feels part of that, that transition of coming into the sixth form. Mm. So in terms of how it compares to the sixth form as it was back in 2015, 2016 when I arrived, yes, it's notably bigger. I feel it's a more inclusive, friendly, certainly more diverse place than it mm. was which is all good. What makes it special then? What makes QH special? So I think we have a, a strong brand and an and ethos and sense of collectivity. Certainly the location is a, is a draw. So as I said, we're, we're right close to the, the, the city centre. Our academic results are really good. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that we're an academic hothouse. So whilst the students are strongly encouraged and pushed, I feel that we get the balance right, I hope we do, between academic pressure and the need for a, a holistic education. Now, what I mean by that and what I'm a big believer in is and what I say to our year 12s as they, as they join us uh, at the start of the lower sixth is this is the year, all right? Year 12 is the year. It's the year to develop your skills. It's the year to take on some responsibility. It's the year to try something new. It's the year to join something and to have a really rounded, rich, busy school day. So mm. join clubs, sign up for teams, get involved with rehearsals. And the benefits of that are, are, are multifold. There's a social benefit that helps the students integrate into the school and enjoy their day and meet new people and operate in different environments. It also, I think it was of crucial importance when it comes to applying for the next stage of their lives. Mm. So early in year 13, our students are you know, writing personal statements for universities. They're thinking about applying for apprenticeships or the world of work. And really what they're writing about when they're 
crafting those applications in the first part of year 13 is what they did in year 12. So I, I, I say to the students quite clearly, you know, don't cruise your way through year 12 and think you'll just pull it out of the bag in year 13, either academically or socially. You know, year 12 is the year to to have a really rich, rounded year. And I think at QEH, we, we lay on plenty for them. There's lots and lots of opportunities and things they can get involved with, both during the school day and in terms of trips and extracurricular. And I also say to the sixth form, you know, look, if there's a gap in the market and, for example, there's a club or a society that you'd like to get up running, let's do it. Let's mm-hmm. let's go for it. And and we have we have a number of successful student-led societies with staff support. Mm. So in terms of what makes QEH stand out, I think the the richness and the diversity and the encouragement of all those extracurricular opportunities is something I'm really proud of. And it's something that I think is really valuable for our students as well. And lots of them take up plenty almost too much in some cases and they have to work out how to to balance up their time so yes there's a strong academic performance to to the school but i think there's also a a richness to the day and i think that makes it fun and certainly uh, our students seem to really enjoy being here so what's next then in the sixth form which which area of sixth form life would you like to see develop next so we're just thinking about the the fabric of the center Uh, at the moment we've got a computer room with 24 PCs in there, but as uh, we're, we're moving towards a more digital-based way of learning, and the students will increasingly be bringing their own devices in in to learn. So that room with with twenty four PCs on desks around the room, I, I think that's becoming slightly redundant. So we're just looking at the the usage of that room, and uh, just perhaps re- remodeling it for for, for for purpose. One thing that we've really pushed this year is to increase the amount of relationship and sexual health education in the sixth form. I felt that was something that we perhaps didn't do enough of during, certainly during lockdown and, and possibly not before then as well. So, so we have an RSHE programme that our, that our tutors follow and, and that's something that uh, I, I think is of increasing importance. It's certainly something that feedback from the students says they want they want more of. So we're, we're looking how we can increase that. Mm. I would love to have a bigger sixth form. I would love to have a 50-50 genuinely co-educational sixth form as well. Sadly, we're just a bit constrained by the fact we are a city centre school and, and, and the site and the footprint of the building. So we are just a bit physically constrained for numbers as well but uh, I, i've already knocked down two history classrooms to expand the six on center i've uh, mm-hmm. i've got my eye on a third don't, don't tell the head <laughs> <industry. So. laughs> the bulldozer's waiting <laughs> and richard unless i'm mistaken i think you mentioned at the start of this that you studied geography at university and you said as well that you t- that you taught geography this morning so i'm guessing you're a geography teacher what is it I'm about geography, <laughs> geography in particular that you enjoy what was the attraction to it in the first place I had a great teacher looking back on it when I when I was at school who who, who encouraged me. He made the lessons a lot of fun. I, I'm fairly fortunate to have been quite well travelled in my life, so I've always had a curiosity for for places and and environments and and cultures. And I think I'm a, a an internationalist at heart. I like to see a, a, a global perspective, and and that's something that I I encourage in in my students. So yeah, I I, I I've always taught 
taught geography. I've also taught a bit of economics in my time as well. And in my previous school, I was I, I was I was head of geography for a while, and then a, then a head of year. I've always been in, involved with outdoor pursuits, and and then I came to to QEH when the opportunity for the head of sixth form post came up here. But yeah, I still I still teach about forty percent of my my timetable, and I, and I love it. I, I still I still get a, get a real buzz from from seeing young people learn, and I love sharing my passion for the world. And yes, I, I really love still being in, in the geography classroom because there's there's so much variety, there's so much to learn, and you know things change as well and evolve, and and, and often if you're talking about contemporary or recent events very often there's a student in the room who has has something of real value to offer so for example a couple of weeks ago i was talking about the the japanese earthquake and tsunami in 2011 and i was teaching this to my year nines they're 14 years old and one of them said oh i was i was there and of course he was only two three years old at the time so he hasn't really got any recollection of it but he 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 was there at a, at a nursery in 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 Tokyo when it happened. So you know, he was talking to his parents, and he shared he brought into the classroom and, and shared some of their thoughts about it. And that just makes it real. And and, and geography is is real. It's it's out there. And and I, I love I love that that aspect of the subject. And you mentioned that you're quite well travelled. Which country have you been to? Which is possibly one of your favourites. <laughs> that that I've got a very that, that's a very easy question for me. Okay. <laughs> so when I when I'm not teaching at QEH, so during the school holidays, although obviously this has been slightly put on ice by uh, by COVID over the last couple of years, uh, I also do a bit of bit of tour guiding for a travel company in Iceland. So I I, I first went to Iceland in I think it was 1999. Had a, a week of horizontal rain and absolutely fell in love with the place. I mean, it, it, it's a geographer's paradise. It is stunning. Volcanoes erupt and there are glaciers and it's it's just the most beautiful country. And I, I would strongly encourage anyone who's never been to Iceland to to go. And, it, and it's also a very peaceful country and Reykjavik, the capital city, is a very uh, cool place to be. So I love Iceland. I've, I've led numerous school trips, both with my previous couple of schools. And, and in 2014, I was approached by this travel company to, to see if I'd consider... Uh, training to be a be a tour guide. This company were having an increasing number of bookings from from UK schools. Tourism in Iceland really boomed after the 2010 volcanic eruption, the the ash cloud one. There was a real interest in Iceland. They've got a pretty small population, and I think they were just looking for just to it to increase their their tourist offering. So, so I was one of eight UK based either teachers or university lecturers or recently retired teachers who this travel company recruited to to provide an educational tour of, of Iceland. And that's something that which pre-COVID I was doing three or four times a year. And I'm delighted to say that after a couple of years gap and pining for the place, I'm, uh, I'm going to be going uh, uh, in a couple of weeks' time over the Easter holidays. I've got my first tour back there. So Iceland, I love. I think I've been about 30 times now Gosh, to, wow. to Iceland with, with tour groups and, and holidays and, and on other occasions. I think about to pin, pinpoint one one place and one time in Iceland. My, my, my place, it's a lake in, 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 in the southwest of the corner, southwest of the country. It's called uh, Thingvatlavatn, which is a wonderful name and rather unpronounceable. And it is just the most peaceful, beautiful, 
view you can imagine and I, I i love taking taking groups there i think my favorite time in iceland was uh, i was i think it was in 2006 there over, over summer and uh, there was a music festival on okay. uh, in, in reykjavik and uh, there was a, a, a band uh, sigoros who was quite a well-known icelandic band and they performed and it, and it was midnight and it, i thought that was just that was pretty cool i was in a park in reykjavik watching sigoros under the midnight sun and mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, this is quite cool. <laughs> it is quite, if, if, so, I, if I know the band well, it's quite chilled out sort of music. Is that right? It's very sort of, yeah, it's kind of sort of slow, orchestral. Um, mm-hmm. It's used in quite a lot of adverts and TV theme tunes. And mm-hmm. uh, it's quite cinematic in, in mm-hmm. style. And it just seemed to sort of really fit the, the occasion where they were. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting tour they did, actually. They, they just toured well, the world, but primarily the States where they're, where they're very popular. And they'd come back to Iceland and, and this big band with their entourage of trucks and speakers and scaffolding played a series of tiny concerts like in coffee shops and church halls Brilliant. around Iceland to play for Icelandic people. And then they finished off by playing in, in Reykjavik and it was a free festival. And I think it was 15% of the population of Iceland were there. Gosh, watching this work. <laughs> so it was like 30 something thousand people and someone worked out that it was 15% of the country were, were at this one festival. <laughs> Brilliant. So, the rest of the country I mean, kind of shut you know, down for, for a festival. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, you know, when I, when I look back on my career and my life that that's that's something that, that stuck and I think the fact that it was under the midnight sun and I remember sort of walking back to the hotel at two o'clock in the morning sort of still wearing sunglasses and it was mm. <laughs> it was yeah it was that was great yeah. well i'm sure you'll enjoy it when you do get back there again so so thank so, you I, I will do I will i'm do. sure you have a great time richard we need to bring this to a close now if anybody wants to find out more about sixth form life at qeh how should they go about doing that so have a look at the website. Have a look at the sixth form section of the website. I think that gives you a really good impression of what our sixth form is like. My details are on there, so people can contact myself or, uh, or one of my colleagues in the sixth form. I think the best thing to do is is to come and, and visit, and we can arrange uh, a tour of the sixth form and the rest of the school with the best adverts for our school, which is our current students. And, and we can arrange a, a nice tour and a look around the sixth form centre and a chat with uh, myself or one of the two wonderful heads of year, I work with and we've got other pastoral staff within the sixth form setup and uh, any one of us will be available to uh, uh, to meet any visitors who want to come and, and find out more about the school awesome well uh, richard thank you for your time thanks for being here and thanks for opening up sixth form life at qeh thank you very much thank you so that was richard porter head of sixth form at qeh thank you richard for joining us on this episode it was really good talking to you That's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school website, qehbristol.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to next time. Bye for now.